Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. Congratulations to Steve in Hayesville for winning our giveaway there. We begin hour number two with our buddy Tim Fitzgerald. Uh, You know, not a lot going on right now. It's the calm before the storm for football. We had a, you know, I don't want to say a worthless game against Incarnate Word, but not a lot to talk about there. K-State did what they should, beat them by 48. And that's the last time we've seen them play in a long time. It'll be like an 11-day stretch between meaningful opponents, Tim, by Saturday so the question I want to start you with today is this is the first time really Jerome Tang in season gets a stretch like this. You know, we were, we talk all the time. Bill Self, you know, is going to take advantage of these stretches, right? We've seen him do it year after year after year. Have you had any, any read on how these long practice sessions in season are going for the new head coach at K-State? No, not really. Um, well, I think we'll see some results with, that Saturday game in Kansas City against Nebraska. This is a Nebraska team that, <clears throat> if you look at their record, they don't appear to be much different, but they're playing at a, a higher level. They're, they just beat Creighton. They, they put Purdue into overtime. Uh, so it looks like Fred Hoiberg's finally getting that a little traction there in Lincoln. So this will be a great test for Kansas State. We'll see if this team uh, has vastly improved. They completely overwhelmed Incarnate Word. They were really, truly awful. Um, but, uh, you know, that you could see that this team seems to be understanding where to get baskets. Marquise Noel is being a great creator for his teammates while still scoring. So you see some signs from this team, but I, I am completely concerned that this non-conference schedule, which they inherited for the most part, except for the Cal game, uh, isn't going to really get this team ready for the, you know, twice-a-week pummeling you can take in the Big 12. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, and that's a good lead into my question. You've got two more non-conference games, Nebraska on Saturday, Radford next Wednesday before Big 12 conference play comes in. We know the record, right? We know that it that Jerome Tang has the best record of any first-year Kansas State head coach ever. How do you take that momentum, if you want to call it, from a 9-1 and non-conference schedule that hasn't been you know, uberly tough. It's been good. It hasn't been amazing, but it's been good. And Kansas State has looked good throughout that entire non-conference. How do you take that momentum into Big 12 play? 
Well, this team, their their biggest flaw so far is an inability to really play 40 minutes. Um, and I felt like they did that against uh, Incarnate Word. Uh, they, they didn't have any lapses. They didn't let up because the competition was bad. Um, maybe they were having so much fun dunking, they, they decided to play all 40 minutes. But, yeah, they're, they're going to have to do that once West Virginia comes to town on the 31st. And, and you know, we looked at that scheduling at the start and thought, hey, West Virginia is a, you know, a, an opponent that's picked for the bottom of the Big 12 along with Kansas State. This should be a good test, good way to ease into the conference. And lo and behold, it turns out Bob Huggins has put together a pretty darn good team, one that's more like his typical team. So um, that'll be a big challenge for K-State right out of the gate. What is the identity of this team when it gets to the Big 12, Tim? Are they going to be, you know, what is going to win them games, I suppose? We know that they've got some versatility. We know Keontae Johnson's an all-conference type player. We've seen them sort of win both ways, right? We've seen them win with great defense. We've seen them win by scoring some points. What do you think is the is the identity of this team that leads to the most success when we get into the Big 12? Well, this is a team that... Uh, has to attack the rim. And Jerome Tang knows that they they have to get out in, in the open court and and score easy buckets, and they're good at that. I mean, Marquise Noel has been absolutely amazing passing the ball to his teammates, whether it's in the open court or the half court. But they go to the rim exceptionally well. And, you know, that's, that's just something we haven't seen from K-State teams where they would stand around the outside and a a point guard would look to, you know, break down the defense and try to kick it out for a three-pointer. This team, when the point guard goes to the rim, they come to the rim too, and they end up with a lot of dunks. And it's it's a fun brand of basketball. There's no doubt about it. Now, will that translate against better, more active defenses in the Big 12? And I am still concerned about how this team handles a, you know, a true post because they're using David Gasson at, at the post, and he's a tough matchup, but – he also probably get back down pretty easily by a more significant body. Tim, uh, one thing that I really like about this team that we've seen through the non-conference is their ability to not only score the basketball and put up a lot of points, but then as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, after the game against Wichita State where they only scored 55 and they got the win, they were able to play gritty basketball. There are going to be games, you mentioned Bob Huggins in West Virginia, there are going to be games where that's probably going to be the style of basketball that the Wildcats are going to need to play to get a victory in in conference play. Then there are going to be other games where they're going to have to put up a lot of points. So I feel like they've got that versatility. Do you feel the same way? And do you think that that does translate well into conference play? Yeah, I do. I I think they have shown an ability to win close games. That's maybe the one thing that's notable that comes out of this non-conference schedule. They never could quite get over the hump at Butler uh, and I think that was a significant lesson for the team that they it was valuable to learn and learn it in the non-conference. But you go back and look at the schedule. Uh, I did it at one of our daily delivery videos earlier this week on the strength of the basketball schedule according to the NCAA net ratings. And amazingly enough, Nevada, which they beat in the semifinals of the Cayman Island Classic, is the, the highest-rated opponent they've had. And LSU is not that. But both of those games uh, were down to the wire. K-State had a you know, grind out wins. And I think that prepared them to play Wichita State when they weren't at their best. And Wichita State muddied up the game. And K-State still found a way to win. 
Um, and a lot of the reason for that was Marquise Noel has been really good in clutch situations so far this season, whether it's him shooting a deep three or, or finding an open teammate to make a play. Are, are you as antsy as we are, Tim, for the Big 12 basketball season to start? Because I think there's so much unpredictability, especially now with the Chris Beard situation rolling itself out there um, and obviously impacting Texas a lot. But we're almost there. I just I cannot wait to see how this thing shakes out because it's not just at the top that I think a lot of positioning we don't have a good grasp on. It's really all the way through, I think, to this point. Well, when you stop and look at the fact that TCU was, you know, supposed to be one of the top teams in the conference, and the Frogs are the ones that, that seem to be uh, maybe going towards the bottom of the conference, uh, that's probably an indication of how tough this conference is. Is that if TCU is going to be the worst team in the league, then um, you know that's going to be a problem for everyone because this conference is just going to be more brutal than ever. So yeah, I am excited because we see some. You know, the West Virginia storyline is, is interesting to me. It's it's kind of a breakthrough uh, for Bob Huggins, and maybe the, you know, the old dog's got a little more bite in him. Um, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Texas and, and some of those other teams, and it's going to be a very, very interesting year. Fitz, we talked a lot about the leadership of Marquise Noel. We've talked about the story that Keontae Johnson brings. But there are some other contributors that uh, from, you know, game to game have been able to step up and look really good. And we talked about uh, you mentioned Gasson and what he did um, in that game against Abilene Christian. You know, Tomlin is there. Talk a little bit about some of these other role players that are kind of you know behind uh, whether it's Noel or Johnson, some of these other contributors that Jerome Tang has. Well, they're down to, you know, they've got 10 guys they're going to use this season. They've had some injuries, so they've played as few as seven or eight in these recent games. Um, and they seem to be boiling out, you know, what they want from everyone, which is important. But we've seen Desi Sills come up and, and have big games. He's got to stay in the mode of, you know, getting into the lane and making things happen. He, he likes to settle for outside shots, and that is not his strength. Um you know, you mentioned Naquan Tomlin, and I think Naquan Tomlin is a guy that um, has an opportunity to be at a play at a really high level. He's still learning how to play basketball, and he's never played anywhere close to this level, considering he didn't play high school basketball and, and played two years of junior college. Um, they just have some really interesting pieces. You know, I like Tyke Green an awful lot. He's a you know big-shouldered defender guy that can attack the glass. Um, they just have really interesting parts. What they don't have is a true big man. I mean, they've got uh, a post, but they, they don't have that, you know, 6'10 guy, and that's kind of by choice. Um, they, they, they want to get up and down the court. They, they want to play this fun brand of basketball. Well, that comes with a price, but um, I, I think they can, you know, in some games outscore opponents and not just sit back in a, in a really tenacious defense and, and try to win with 60 points. Uh, that's that might be effective, but it's not an effective way to engage your fan base either. Um, one, when, as we transition to football a little bit, Tim, I do want to ask you, before we start talking Sugar Bowl, Mike Leach, uh, hearing Mike Leach stories has been amazing as he uh, died a few days ago now and just still shocked by that, as I think is the whole sports world. But you saw him a lot at Texas Tech, obviously. Um 
as did most of us. What are some of your favorite Mike Leach moments? Did you ever have any direct run-ins with him looking ahead at games or anything like that, like so many did? Uh, no, not really. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been in a position to do a one-on-one interview or really any kind of group interview other than a Big 12 media days. But, you know, the, the one story I've shared is the time that he was doing Big 12 teleconference and <clears throat> drove through the drive through uh, and we had to, he had to stop and place his order at the drive-thru during the middle of the teleconference. Um, and and that, that just kind of sums him up. I mean, he, he just did things by his own way. He thought, he thought things that, uh, you know, he just saw the world in a unique perspective. And he'd say something, we're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there hmm. probably should be more mascots that are gorillas because gorillas can win a lot of fights and you know his shout out to Pitt state one day randomly at the podium just just fascinating brain but you know seeing the world in a different way applied to football too and it helped him help develop this air raid offense under Hal mummy and then kind of put his own mark on it when he broke free became his own head coach and offense coordinator first at oklahoma he just saw football in a different way um, and he was always refining that. And he finally found a way to play better defense at Mississippi State to go with his offense. And uh, I was intrigued to see what was going to happen if this was applied to the SEC. But, um, you know, life is indeed short and unpredictable. And it's just a great loss for the entertainment value of college football as much as what he brought to the field as a coach. Before we talk about the Sugar Bowl, we're getting closer fits to that National Signing Day. A couple of local kids. We obviously know about Avery Johnson, uh, but Wesley Fair from Wichita Collegiate, Will Ancio from Cape and Mount Carmel, um, all making their decisions to go to Kansas State. Uh, Your take on, at least here locally in the Wichita area, not only Avery Johnson, but some of these other kids that are going to be uh, Wildcats here very soon. Yeah, uh, really, it's just an incredible year out of the state of Kansas, and Avery rose up to number 41 in the nation overall. Uh, he's just outside of a five-star rating, um, but he is, you know, the, the highest Kansas State recruit in terms of, uh, you know, overall point rating to go with your stars uh, in the last dozen years. So it's it's really uh, impressive. Uh, heck, it's been the last 20 years, really. So um, it's been a great year. I'm excited about all those guys you mentioned. Still intrigued by John Randall Jr. See what he's going, what he's going to do. I don't know if it's K State, but he's he's kind of had a scattergun approach to his recruiting. Um, and you know, Dylan Edwards, I think, finally found the right place for him. Uh, and you know, I I just felt like the first two choices didn't quite fit what he wanted. And going to Colorado, which is a little bit closer to you know Derby and Wichita for his family. And playing for Deion Sanders in the you know Pac-12, he's going to be a really valued asset out there that I don't think he was going to be at another game. Um, and it just all seemed to click into place for him, and, and I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I do too. Uh, what do you what do you make of that situation, Tim? As somebody that follows K State and his original commitment went there, we know people get their feelings hurt, and it's sometimes ridiculous um, as fans approach these recruitment things. But I, I'm kind of the same way. I understood Notre Dame. There was probably a really good opportunity there. It felt like as we followed that, especially late, that that there wasn't a real level of comfort. And then the Colorado situation presented itself. There was a clear relationship there with uh, Deion Sanders. And the opportunity is 
very obvious to go there and have an opportunity to play right away. Do you generally care that much if if young people change their mind on these commitments a bunch of times before they actually get in there and sign the dotted line? Because it doesn't bother me at all. Well, it, it doesn't typically bother me. I don't think this situation was handled gracefully at all. Um, and, but, you know, they, they got enamored with, you know, the Golden Dome and Notre Dame, and I never felt that was a fit. I, I thought um, he was going to go in there and be, uh, you know, just the kick returner and, and maybe the third string running back and, and not really see the field very often except in special teams. And when I knew Kansas State had plans for him to, you know, be an every down type of guy, whether it was like Deuce Vaughn or, a, you know, more like Phillip Brooks that could move into the backfield and also the return man. And I didn't think he was going to be satisfied at Notre Dame and where he stood on that roster. I think that all changed with, you know, going to Colorado. I think Dion is not just going to, you know, put time into him, but really value what he can bring because, you know, Dion, I think, sees football in the same way. You know, Kansas State has the fact that you know non-traditional players can be very successful uh, if you give them an opportunity and and uh, cut them loose like Kansas State's done with their little back. So I'm I'm happy for him. I, I hope it, it works out in the long run. I'm just fascinated by how Dion's going to work out in that that anti-football atmosphere that's been stewing in Boulder for a few years now. As we look ahead to the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. Know the Wildcats are deep in their preparations for that game. Any updates on personnel or what you're seeing? Anything, anything noteworthy as we are uh, getting ready for that Sugar Bowl game? Well, I've had you know what five guys now at <clears throat> the transfer portal. None of them were significant contributors, so I think they're maintaining their roster really well. Uh, shout out to all the coaches who now have to recruit their own players while recruiting new recruits while recruiting other teams' players. I don't know how yeah. they're doing it. Uh, but uh, I think they're maintaining the roster very well. We haven't had any health updates. I was worried about uh, Felix Andy Ozama coming out of the championship game. He got banged up on that goal line stand. But uh, I think they'll be in good shape. I think they'll be pretty much fully manned for this bowl game. And um, it's going to be entertaining. I wish it could get here sooner rather than later. But uh, – You've got to go through all these steps. Is you know they got to finish off recruiting and then kind of focus in on uh, bowl prep and, and getting ready to play a, a very good Alabama team, even if they have a few players to the house. All right, let's uh, yeah, let's look at that one then. Alabama, does it matter? Do you think for K State if Alabama plays a lot of players or doesn't play a lot of players? Does anybody yeah. care? Because I feel like beating Bama has value and significance no matter who they trot out there. No, I, I mean, um, if they want to recruit players that are at that level that, you know, simply see college football as a stepping stone, I don't think, um, you know, there's anything wrong with that. But also, I don't want to hear you complain about that when, um, you know, you're going up against a Kansas State where the players do value coming to college. And look, let's be honest, Felix Andy D.K. probably, if you listen to an agent, would sit out this game. Um, because, you know, he, he's already banged up. What if he gets seriously injured? Uh, but, you know, I just saw the Purdue quarterback sitting out, and I'm like, why are you sitting out? I don't think you're of a, a standing where, you know, people understand you're so great that you, you don't have to play one more game. Uh, I think every player on the K-State roster wants this opportunity uh, to play one more game. Um, so I, 
It, you, you line up and play the team across the ball, and nobody cares that they beat Kansas State. You know, TC didn't care that they beat Kansas State in the first game because they had, in part, because they had 10 injuries in the game. That didn't, that's just no asterisk in the record book, nor is there an asterisk after the LSU game last year that said LSU played with a minimal roster. Um, it's still LSU. It's still the brand, and that's really what matters. And one more for you, Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is an interesting case study on NIL. I think that there's a world where next year Deuce Vaughn could earn more money coming back to K-State than he could if he falls outside of the third round, which he probably would in the NFL. He's going to be an interesting scenario because this is this yeah. is you know first time here locally we've had an opportunity to evaluate the real financial value of of you know NIL opportunities because he's a guy like like Shibway at Kentucky. Shibway at Kentucky's probably making more money at Kentucky than he would as a second round pick or an undrafted guy in the NBA. Deuce Vaughn, you know, we know once you get out of the third round the money's real not you know not stable in the NFL. The money at right. K-State, if he came back, would be very stable, we think. So what what do you do, and, and how do we look at this situation with Bond? It, it is. That's a, it, you're exactly right. This is exactly what the NIL is supposed to be. <clears throat> a kid that's proven his worth has proven his, um, not worth as a player, but maybe worth as a marketing piece. Um, and if you're a company that can afford um to pay a player, this is exactly the kind of kid you want. Never gets in trouble, does everything right. I think is widely respected even by opponents. I don't think having Deuce Vaughn go on the radio in uh, Wichita market, Kansas City market, anywhere in the state of Kansas will turn off non-K State fans. If you're a KU fan, you're not going to go, ooh, Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he's just such a likable young man. So you're right. This is a case study to see what you know, the Kansas State NIL collectives can, can muster to try to keep this kid um, in in the house. And I think that's going on. And I, I there's three guys that we expected to go early to the NFL. Uh, I still think Felix will. Um, he's just, you know, to that stage. Uh, Cooper Beebe and the offensive line is kind of up in the air. I think he should go uh, because the shelf life on offensive linemen is short. Um, but I, there's talk about him coming back to play for his play with his brother, who's in this recruiting class too. And then there's Deuce Vaughn. And the argument for going is you're, you're not going to grow five inches and put on 40 pounds. This is what you are. Um, you should go get your money now. But you're right. What if the money is better if he stays? And that's never happened in college sports before. And I, I think it's intriguing. I think it will be very interesting. I, I think the money would be better. I think the money would yeah. be better because, you know, I and I don't know what K-State is uh, doing to take care of players that are scholarship athletes that are on the roster, but it's something. I think we all know that. And and the other the other piece of it is how many marketing opportunities will Deuce Vaughn get if he's a fourth-round pick in the NFL? Probably zero. You're right. And how many will he get in the state of Kansas or the region if he's the running back for K-State who thinks they can contend for a playoff spot next year? Well, look at it this way. Um, it's hard to fathom a, a, a business making a million dollars if they give Deuce a million dollars making that back. But right. he's got a local car dealership deal right now where, you know, he gets a lease vehicle, he's driving a Porsche, he's driving a Hellcat, 
charger around. Um, but if you're that car dealer, and it's it's a sponsor we have also, and um, but they're not one of the bigger dealers in town. If you step forward and make a big public NIL deal with Deuce to keep him at K-State, how many cars are you going to sell? How much at least loyalty will you buy with three? <laughs> like, right? I, I I totally get it. Yes, I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of KC fans would go, "Hell yes, I'm buying my next car from them." Um, and so it gets intriguing to see how it works out. Now, the mathematics of that in a market like Houston are radically different. If you get that kind of brand imaging, you could sell a lot of cars to A and M fans in that market or whatever it is, but. Uh, this will be a great measurement for the K-State NIL collectors. And I also think a piece of it is for, you know, you can call it whatever. There is a nostalgic feel to how much these players love that program right now. And that matters. Yeah. It matters. You mentioned Cooper Beebe. That stuff matters. I mean, they, they love it. They're, they're bought in. They're it's they're on cover. board. It's, it's fun to cover because it feels like why I got into covering college athletics. You know, just, just a great locker room, a bunch of great kids that are going to go out and, you know, You'll play for your colors, and um, we kind of are slowly slipping away from that. So you're right. Nostalgic is, is a good word for it. it. It's fun to do it. I haven't had to cover any police reports. I haven't had to worry about anything like that. I just cover uh, really good young men who you know uh, represent their school both on and off the field, and I get to cover football and not, not crime reports. It's kind of fun. Tim Fitzgerald, go powercat.com. You can check out the work there. You can follow Tim on Twitter, Life of Fitz. Tim, we always appreciate it. We're going to get there. The Sugar Bowl will get here before we know it, and pretty soon we'll have a Sugar Bowl and Big 12 conference play to talk about all at one time. That'd be, it'd be great, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in New Orleans for seven nights, guys. I'm a little worried. Oh, my God. So, are you wow. Are you sure about that? Well, press conferences start the 27th. Uh, for the game on the 31st. I mean, this is what the big bowl games do. So we arrived the 26th, and I told the guys we're sure as heck not flying out on the 1st. Um, so we fly out on the 2nd, but we're not coming home. We're going to Austin, Texas to cover a basketball game on the 3rd. So we're going to be out there for a while. Um, it's been good knowing you. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thought, thoughts and but, prayers uh, to your liver. Yeah, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Yeah. I, after New Year's Eve and a uh, in New Orleans, just bury me with my beads. Count me in. <laughs> All right. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. We'll see if he survives it. Tim, thanks. We'll do it again next week. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more Sports Daily. Your phone call is welcome. 869-1240. Sports Daily on 97.5 and 1240. KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. If you missed anything with our conversation with Tim Fitzgerald or Chelsea Messenger talking K-State and betting, uh, respectively, you can find those at kfhradio.com is the place to find them. Tommy, uh, news out of the college sports world. UCLA apparently now is free and clear for its move to the Big Ten. Uh, The University of California Regents voting to approve it. 
they have some other things to sort out, including a tax in the range of two to ten million dollars, depending on the worth of the Pac-12's new TV rights deal. I always I, these are interesting because we've seen this. I remember, you know, Oklahoma for a while, the the local lawmakers trying to step up and say, no, 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 Oklahoma, you can't leave Oklahoma State behind. Uh, you, you heard those sorts of things rumored or even in the state of Kansas as Kansas was rumored at times to leave. That, that I, I don't know if I appreciate that or not, Tommy, because at, one, at some point, like you can't punish one school for being more valuable, but you don't want to leave another one behind. It's an interesting discussion when you have the opportunities for publicly funded institutions to do different things financially when you know they should be funded the same way publicly that's not really public funding when you're talking about tv deals and those kinds of things so i I don't have a strong take on it i do think it's an interesting discussion though the whole keep one school even with the other or let one school go earn what it's worth which is you know maybe going to be more than the other the argument about keeping schools in the same state together doesn't hold any water because there are plenty of examples of schools that should be natural rivals because they're in the same state that are in different conferences. Look at the totally. state of Iowa. Iowa and Iowa State are not in the same conference. Now, they do play each other, uh, but they're, they're not in the same conference. There are other natural rivalries in the same state that you know those teams are in different conferences entirely. This is a strategy that we've seen implemented several different times ucla and usc did the same thing that oklahoma and texas did you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube they've already announced their intentions to leave and what are you going to do if you're the board of regents you're not going to say oh well we're going to vote against it you can't they've already announced their intentions and so it's a it's a pr strategy to get out in front of it announce that they want to do this announce that they're planning to do this and then the governing bodies They really have no choice. Their backs are up against the wall. They have no choice but to approve these schools making those moves. So, uh, you know, when you look at this, you you know, the regents in California voting to approve this, I mean, they really had no other choice in my mind. Right, but they're going to try to get some tax money out of it and give that to Cal. Is that UCLA's responsibility as a public institution to prop up Cal? That's the part that I don't know. I mean, Wichita State, doesn't have the same parameters that KU and K-State have. They're all three, you know, Division One publicly funded institutions, right? The three institutions in the state. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it is the responsibility for UCLA to take care of Cal. Now, that's not my place to say either. I don't know what the connections are. I don't know the business connections, the financial connections. I mean, I don't know. I I, I think I, I generally speaking in, in any walk of life would say be as successful as you can be. And and just go from there. If UCLA has the opportunity to go be more successful financially, why would you know why would anybody want to hold them back from doing that? It's going to be better for that university. It's it's a really interesting discussion. Why would you know? Why would why would Oklahoma lawmakers not want Oklahoma to be the best it absolutely could be? Sure. Even if it's not you know the same that Oklahoma State gets, things aren't the same, right? Like we know that. Oklahoma yeah. draws more money. It's it's just, you know, it's interesting when when you try to to do this. I do think, and you mentioned rivalries and playing each other. I do think that's a good place to start. Like if you're going to legislate something, when this kind of thing happens, 
legislate that the two teams play each other every year because there is freedom in scheduling to some degree. I mean, as much as there is allowed, but if Oklahoma gets two non-conference games a year, if the state wants to come in and say one of those two games every single year has to be Oklahoma State, it is important to our state to keep that rivalry alive. I'm okay with that. I, I do think that actually makes quite a bit of sense. Like, you guys have to play that game every year in every sport that it's possible in scheduling. It has to be scheduled as a non-conference game. Both schools don't care what you think. That's going to happen. I think that is a good way uh, that doesn't really muddy the water or anything like that, that you can keep things uh, good for the you know the economy of the state because the reality is those rivalry games are good for the economy of the state and I think that is a place where the state legislature state lawmakers have a have a public interest to make sure things go well. They are good for the the economy. They're good for the programs, but I am going to be on the different side of this than you are. I don't think it's the place of the legislature to legislate that. Like there are more pressing things, more important things than forcing. Uh, to in-state schools to play each other. Now, if they want to, and if they can lean on them and you know highly recommend that they do this, uh, encourage them to do it, that's fine. I, I don't like the idea of forcing that to happen. Um, I, I think it's got to be something that the two schools agree upon. And I, I think that in the case of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I'd like to think that there is enough of a benefit that's mutual for both schools that they would just do it anyway. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but I'd like know. to think that maybe they would because of the revenue that can be driven by both universities to play each other once a year. I just don't think that there's necessarily a need for lawmakers. I don't to know. Put, you bigger I fish to fry, but I, there aren't in in states like Oklahoma and Kansas, there aren't a lot of bigger, you know, bigger budget, bigger economic fish to fry than those things singularly that I just have don't know as if big I want an my impact. lawmakers spending time enforcing Kansas and Kansas State to play each other if they're not in the same conference. I would rather see them do that than campaigning. Not How about true. that? All right, uh, fair enough. <laughs> I'll they, give you like that. If we're if we're talking about politicians wasting time, um, never mind. We're not going to go down that road. But I, I think that, you know, in, in the interest of – in the public interest of things and driving the economy, because we know how coaches are in these things, right? Like coaches coaches aren't concerned with the economic well-being of fan bases or, or the state. They're interested in helping their team win no matter what. If Oklahoma's playing in the SEC, other than making sure you're taking care of your fans – there would be absolutely no reason for them as you know the people that decide which games to schedule to schedule Oklahoma State they'll take they'll they'll schedule a pay game because they're not going to need to enhance the strength of their schedule and that's a place where i do think lawmakers could say look the bedlam game every year drives x millions of dollars into our local economy for these communities for these schools for these fan base we're you're going to play that game because it needs to be played because it's good for our state. I do think that's important. I think that has importance financially more than anything. Um, and it doesn't really do anything to hold one university back or the other. It just does a service to the public taxpayers or, who, are, who are funding a lot of this stuff anyway. I get the argument about these teams and the coaches making their schedules based on what benefits their program the best. I understand all of that. But there is also a financial component that I think you would be naive to think that these coaches also 
don't consider. Okay, so in the case of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, the Sooners move to the SEC. Brent Venables, from a competitive standpoint, maybe doesn't see a big benefit in scheduling Oklahoma State in the non-conference. But there is a financial component that I think even a head coach can understand, not necessarily from the fan base, but come on, like that revenue does trickle down into the program. It might not be earth shattering. It might not be life changing for this program, but I do think that they can take that into consideration as a positive to want to schedule Bedlam every year, even though they're not in the same conference. I, I guess my point is I don't want, I don't want these schools to have to feel like their hand is being forced because then I think that there there comes resentment that is built in from these schools feeling like they're forced. I get it. I, under, I understand. I understand their obligations, but I also don't want I don't want them to have to be. I don't want the thought process to be from either school. Yeah, we got to play Oklahoma or we got to play Oklahoma State because the lawmakers are forcing us into it because that that takes all the fun out of it entirely. Well, but at the time, you know, the players would like to play it, right? It's here's here's a, a closer to home example. I think it's ridiculous, quite frankly, that Wichita State and KU don't play every year. We finally got K State and Wichita State playing every year, but it's ridiculous that Wichita State and Kansas don't play every single year a basketball game. Be good for the state's largest city to do that, right? And 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 for Kansas, they don't. And I get why Bill Self doesn't want to. Because there's no advantage to his program to doing something like that. You might happen to recruit the same player. You're not going to you're not gonna gain enough if you're Bill Self. I get it. But from to you know, from a from a perspective of doing what's something that's good for your state, they ought to play every year. Just like but just like Wichita nothing, State and K State. There is nothing positive, in my opinion, that comes out of forcing those two programs to play each other. And I well, know because they're not going to do it on their own. Ex- and I know that this is nothing new. Um, it, it's been proposed in the legislature before, you know, to have these two teams play each other every single season, but there's nothing, nothing good comes from forcing anybody to do something they don't want to do. And they, it might happen. I mean, yeah, if, if it's legislated, then they they're forced to, and they have to, and it becomes a moot point. But I don't think that anybody that would, that doesn't want to go into it willingly is going to go into it with a good attitude. And and I just, I don't think that that will. Yeah, I mean, they can get over that for me. Get over it. Like it's good for, it's good for the schools. It's good for the economies. And it doesn't have to be state lawmakers, by the way, for in that situation, it could be the Board of Regents. The same governing body looks over both schools. The Kansas Board of Regents could make that decision, which is more in their wheelhouse anyway. Say, guys, like we can sell out, you know, a downtown arena in the biggest city in the state by you guys playing every year. And, and if you want to do a home and home, that's fine too. But go play that game. Just just play it. It's not going to hurt. And that's the thing for for Kansas on that. That game would never impact Kansas's seeding, even if they lost it. It might impact recruiting to some degree, but not going to impact you know the overall outcome of the season for either of them. And and it puts you know it puts the programs on the national spotlight potentially. It's it, it's fine. I mean, this is a discussion that has a billion different you know, paths it could take. But as we look at UCLA being imposed a tax to Cal, which is where this conversation began to begin with, it is always interesting to me to see, again, in publicly funded universities, what the role is and responsibility for one school to the other is. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's anybody's responsibility to take care of another school. 
but it is publicly funded and and you know you do need to look out for the best interest of the state when tax dollars are involved and there's a lot of tax dollars involved in public institutions and their athletics programs yeah i don't think there's much of a responsibility in my opinion that ucla has to take care of cal i, I don't um, i don't think I, I think that either i, I think i don't I think agree. that there is i i think that the board of regents they're trying to um you know cover their own butts here because they were caught off guard with UCLA I, I got, and USC leaving the conference, totally. right? And they want to try to make sure that they save face a little bit. So they're going to impose this tax on UCLA for leaving the conference. I get it. I get I get where they're coming from on that, but I don't think it's UCLA's responsibility to subsidize Cal. Cal should have a better athletic program and they can make more revenue in that way. They've not right. had a good athletic department in recent years it's not up to ucla to subsidize them uh and so i, I agree for cal get better make more money that's your yeah. responsibility i get you're a publicly funded university and so is ucla you've got a governing body and ultimately ucla is going to pay this tax and they're going to move on to the big 10 and they're going to make substantially more money oh yeah they drop in the bucket it's not yeah. a big deal they'll pay the tax just make them no play deal. a game or something i just don't yeah. like the idea of them having their hand forced to pay cal to take care of them I know. It's publicly funded is the only hesitation it gives me on that. They're not like they're private companies being forced. They do get public money. So, you know, whatever's in the I, – I don't know. It's an it's a fun discussion. I do like that discussion. 869-1240. Uh, we'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH and the Sports Daily family uh, is maybe looking to expand a little bit. If you missed Tommy's big news, uh, cat's out of the bag. We got another caster joining the crew. Tommy, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. On, on the big news today. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my, my wife and I, we're having a, a second baby um, due in June of 2023. So um, my wife uh, posted on, on her Facebook page, uh, this morning, the show had just gotten underway and posted that we are expecting a baby, and my phone has not stopped ringing uh, since that announcement. So if I've seemed a little halfway distracted during the show today, uh, that's probably why. But we're super excited having a having a baby boy, uh, which we already have one boy, so we're going to have two boys in the house. And I think my wife is still kind of trying to wrap her head around the fact that she's going to be severely outnumbered in the household. Uh, well, look, I'm, I, I told you this yesterday. I'm one of five boys. So I mean, you guys have three more chances at least <laughs> to to get to a girl. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that uh, we're going to be taking those chances. Uh, you know, I'm I, I had kids a little bit later in life. I'm I'm thirty five. I'm thirty. I'm thirty six right now. We had our our son when I was thirty five. This baby will come when I'm thirty seven. I don't have a ton of energy anymore, so yeah. I'm okay with calling it quits at two. We went girl, girl, boy, third time, third time's a charm. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to your wife about this. We'll, we'll okay. get the straight answer. Uh, Sounds good on, on how this will really go. Eight six nine twelve forty, the number to call uh, anytime on the program. Put it in your speed dial. You can get in touch with us tomorrow. Um, our appreciation to Tim Fitzgerald and Chelsea Messenger. You can go back to KFH Radio, listen to those conversations. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap today here on the network when Sports Daily wraps up on a Thursday. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.